Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. I'm not sure if this is the last episode of 2018 or the first episode of 2019. Why can't it be both? It can be both. But regardless, it's been a pretty stellar year for us. And uh, in a year of just moments on moments on moments, what is your proudest achievement of the last 365 days? Ooh. Um... All right, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, who wants to be a millionaire this? So I'm going to talk through my thoughts. Okay. I thought you were going to phone a friend. I'm, well, I'd like to. Okay. <laughs> but it's New Year's Eve. Yeah. Who, which friend? Who would I call to, to tell me what my biggest achievement one is? I mean, right. I'd call you. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. I, do you want to do that on the, <laughs> on the podcast right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. My biggest achievements of the year. I mean. I'm really proud of the fact that it feels like we're really hitting our stride now. Yeah. Um, I think that after three years of hard work, our fourth year has been our best year. We, we've seen... And by the way, that's just the podcast. That's, yeah. not, that's not to mention no, the, the prior I'm, seven years of, of work that we put in. No, but I'm, I mean, like, honestly, the first thought I had was the book. Book was a great one. Um, I would say two Jews and two Black Jews, but technically that's last year. It's still a great idea and great execution. Great moments. Like I said, I, I did we talk about it in this podcast? Did we talk about it here? Or did we talk about it just on Twitter? I said, like, one of the coolest things is that Jadakus actually calls us by our names. Very cool. Um, here's some other ones. We've had The Dream up here. We've had Swiss Beats up here. We had our best friend, Marsha St. Hubert, up here. We've had hundreds of people come through and sit down and... And not steal anything from our apartment. Yeah, that's a big, big achievement. That's a huge achievement. But here's, here's what I'm most proud of. I'm most proud of the fact that we have cultivated a community in ways that we haven't in many other years where people are invested in not just us but and, this thing and this yeah this thing it's it's the people who reach out and let us know that the roots are playing our music on the tonight show that's people who have sent gifts in the mail i'm talking about clothes i'm talking about baked goods and by baked goods i'm talking about people from dc atlanta la who have sent us cookies and blondies and weed which is not technically a baked gift but gets you baked that is true yeah people who have bought t-shirts from us people who have bought rhyme books from us people who have bought tickets to our live shows people who have checked in on our mom when they heard that she was hit by a car you know that is i think the mark of not just fans but of friends. And this thing is not something that we take lightly. You know, this is not just a hobby. And I think that's one thing that separates us maybe from other people out there. And and there are a lot of people who wonder how in the world the two of us have gotten into this position. And there's so much to talk about there. And it's not, you can't boil it down to just one or two things. It's to sort our of, looks. Yeah, it's... <laughs> people, people like our looks, and that's why we have friends. But you can't, you can't just be like, hey, guys, you know, how do you get an audience, or, or how do you maintain an audience, or how do you subside without ads, or whatever it is. There's no one or two things. It's, it's the fact that, like, look, we've put in work, but we've, we've created this thing that's accessible and long-lasting, and... And that we're proud of. 
and yeah, and but that you guys are proud of too. Yeah, you know that. Well, that, when I say we, I mean we, you the know, greater we. It 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 means something to us when we're out somewhere like a Duse Palooza, and you walk up and you're just like, Eric, Jeff, oh my God, Dan. You know, you you have love for our brother. That's that's real. And if there's anything that we want to carry into 2019 that we're so proud of in 2018, I think it's that love. And uh, we just want to bring more of that into the new year. So thank you guys for rocking with us. Thank you guys for being a part of this thing. Here's to that in the coming days, the coming weeks, and the coming months. More wins, more life, mo faya, <laughs> mo bamba. Yeah. Jeff, again, I don't know if this is the last of 2018 or the first of 2019. It's but technically the last of 2018. This brand new episode. Yeah. Today. Today is so good. It features our friend Dre London, who is not only Variety's manager of the year, mm-hmm. but has been in this apartment before because he brought Post Malone up here. Brought Post Malone in 2015. Yeah. So before Post's first and second albums, this was just, you know, this kid from Dallas, Texas, from Syracuse, New York, from Los Angeles, California, Post Malone, who had, you know, one or, or two big singles. And, you know, with the help of this guy, Dre London, and the vision that he had has taken him all the way back to Brooklyn. Yeah. Where we're going to be seeing him tonight uh, as he performs in front of a sold-out Barclays Center, the second show in three days for this New Year's run. Yeah. It's pretty extraordinary. You know that Post Malone has run the internet whether that's his streaming numbers or whether that's people watching their plane as it, you know, burns fuel for five hours, not knowing whether they're going to be able to land this plane because it has two blown tires. Whether that's Rita Ora dressing up as him, whether it's people wondering if he showers or does not. But this is a lot of Post Malone talk. Dre London has his own story and Dre London obviously can shed light on Post, but Dre... This is a guy who grew up in a tough part of London who was able to make it across the pond after dropping out of high school and sort of making his way through London and joins up with French Montana, who's still bubbling and helps him become a thing. You know, here's a guy who has gone from literally nothing, knowing nobody, not being in the music industry, to being Variety's Manager of the Year for 2018. We're looking forward to his 2019 and everybody from that team. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty spectacular journey. One that I think you're going to get a lot of inspiration from, a lot of laughs from, and a lot of talk about Julius Caesar, mm-hmm. French Montana's monkey. Jeff, when do you want to get into this episode? Right when I tell people three episodes I want them to listen to. Okay. Number one, episode 200. If you're looking for how we got to where we are, who we are, yeah, start with episode 200. Yeah, we sat down with our friend Naomi Zeichner, the former editor-in-chief of The Fader, who, instead of being the subject of our interview, interviewed us. All right, I want to say for my second recommendation, I want to say number 230, Josh Dick. Shout out to Josh Dick, one of our great friends, not just in this business, but in life. He is the Flatbush Zombies manager, and his episode, while there were things that we knew, you know, we knew that he was a touring agent for ASAP Rocky and ASAP Ferg and Macklemore and a lot of people, we never knew 
that Josh Dick, our great friend, tried out and appeared on the first episode of Making the Band. Making the Band. Please. Go listen to that episode just for that story and enjoy the rest. Yeah, instead of dial on, dial on, dial on, it could have been Josh Dick, Josh Dick, Josh Dick. Yeah. Um, I also want to say our third recommendation, number 143, Man's Not Hot, <laughs> a.k.a. Big Shaq, a.k.a. Michael Dappa. What an episode that was. He was a viral sensation when he showed up here and no one knew his story. Cycle hadn't done their video on him. People didn't dive deep into where this guy came from, but boy... What a story from our friend Michael Dappa, the 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 guy behind Big Shack. The Shack behind Big Shack. The Shack behind Big Shack. Shout out to Michael Dappa. Go check out that episode. Jeff, when do you want to get into this one? I just want to say again, listen to episode number 200 if you're wondering who these two guys are. Right. Because a lot of people are like, wait, who are you guys? Well, listen to episode number 200. Find out. Yeah. When? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. In My Feelings Challenge, a.k.a. Therapy. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Putting Numbers on the Board, a.k.a. Playing Bingo. What up? This is Dre London, a.k.a. Mr. Vibe Creator. <laughs> yeah, this is your third favorite podcast, The Waste of Time, and it's the real. <laughs> Dre, what's happening? What's up, my guys? Yo, welcome back. Great to be back, man. You, Great my friend, back. have had an extraordinary 2018. 2017 and 16 since yeah. we lost seen each other too but I know but I'm saying light, this year though light. Oh, 2018 <laughs> this 2018. year right here I mean it's a lot like, of accolades a lot of nice things you put in front of your name now you don't just say like you know manager it's just like <laughs> yeah you know. it's variety manager of the year yeah, you yeah. know you should say that like when you like you know put an order in on seamless or something like that when you go to pick it up it's just like vari- yeah but but thinking about like everything that has happened this year there's there's a certain thing where it's like you almost might not have made it to this point. And not just because we're busy booking here. It's because you were on that plane. Yep. And it was very real that you might not have... Uh, Been here to see all of these accolades are correct. Yeah. yeah. So what was it like up there? It was scary. But f- my story was different from others because... If, as you know, we was leaving New York. We just won AMA award, and then we had an after party. Left the after party, and I left from there to go straight to get my bags to go straight to the airplane. So, or maybe we did something after. I don't remember, but like I remember five, six in the morning, I had to go towards um, getting the plane. So I hadn't slept. So by the time we got to the plane, and I'm like, okay, it's a five-hour flight. We're going to my where I'm from, the UK. Um, starting, was it a Europe tour? No, we had shows. I don't remember where, what was doing in the UK? What was we doing? It was something. It was, I think you guys had like one, like a pop-up show. Like a... No, we wouldn't just go to the UK for one pop-up <laughs> Just like show. a, a yeah. yeah, it wasn't no, a festival. it had to be like a festival and a few festivals. I don't know. I know we was there for a few. Oh yeah, we was finishing off. Okay. We came back for the AMAs or for the VMAs. We came back for the VMAs and then went back to tour because we was already on a European tour. Makes gotcha. sense now. Yeah. So we come off of our European tour, come back like, okay, we're going to do the VMAs. Great. We got on over two VMA um, awards and had a nice after party. Everything was good. Go on the plane. I'm like, oh, to distract. I'm going to sleep. And then we take off and they say there was a, a beep on the door. So they said we had to turn back around and land again because this light that's on, we know the door is closed, but there's a light on. So they go back around 
land back at Teterboro, open the door, close it, fix the fix whatever the the light was. So we go to take off again. As we take off again, we hear boop, boop. Me and Post look at each other. Designer was on the plane. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he said it's like, we look and smoke starts coming from the AC. Oh. So we go, hey, hey. And then like, she goes, oh, it's probably, like they made it, like it's probably such and such from the AC. It's okay. By the way, if someone says like, probably, okay. like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they said it was something to do with probably from the AC. So then I, we turned around, we looked at them, was like, okay, okay, the smoke slowed down. Yeah, you're right, it stopped. So and then they go, we just heard that something about the tire. We have to go back around again. It was like what? So imagine you've because people don't know the beginning, the whole full story. This is the first time we really took off. There was a light at the something with the door. Turned back around, then took off again. And two tires burst. But we didn't know they had to go back. They went back around to Tito Borough, went down and had to do something called a flyby. So we had to go low so whoever was on the floor could look underneath the jet and see what was going on. We did this flyby and they said that two tires had burst. So then, then we went up in the air and they said we had to fly for five hours, which is exactly the time it would take to get to the UK. Or five and a half to so burn off all yeah, the fuel. We had to burn all the fuel because there was the plane was too heavy, and if the plane landed with all that fuel and the tires, blah blah blah, blah it would be too heavy. You know what could happen. So for five hours, we know that we have two tires burst, and we're flying around in a circle from between here, Connecticut, New Haven, up like towards Buffalo and back, up down high low, up down high low. Literally, as you see, like. I I was filming before. I wasn't expecting it to be on the news. I wasn't expecting it to be on E Entertainment. I was just filming normally. Okay, we're on our way back to Europe. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, you've got like music on. Yeah, like yo. <laughs> well, because like I, I mean, wasn't expecting it. Yeah. So then I, I I start recording the pilots. Like I, I was back there. I was talking. They were so relaxed. And uh, so were you and apparently? The lady, yeah. They, everyone was so relaxed. So I recorded like it was nothing. I saw them on their phones uh, doing something. Like, they was, they was just relaxed. So I didn't really feel like it was that crazy. Remember, I hadn't slept either. So I go back in, go back to my seat, fall asleep, believe it or not, for about three hours. Oh, my God. Five hours, we have to burn fuel. I don't know what our destiny is, but I just fall asleep because I hadn't slept. I wake up three hours later, four hours, three and a half, still going around. And we go low, the planes to burn fuel, it's going low, it's going high, it's doing circles, going around, like just burning fuel. We get low and the phones connect and I start getting messages. I'm like, what? Because at this point, I didn't think nothing, I wasn't scared. None of us, I think, were scared at that point. And then when the plane went low and we started seeing texts, I saw a text, I love you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? And all these messages started coming in of people like worried. My assistant, Christina, was on a plane to back to L.A. Like, she left. Like, okay, they're going back. And that blah, plane blah, had, blah. like, normal tires. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Jay, was it Jay, Post's role manager, or was it you, Christina? Someone landed, and they took them off the plane. I don't know if it was myself. It was, it was Jay, Post's road manager. They literally said, hey, can you come? Like, we have a, like, I don't know how they knew or what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then I found out 
when we got lower, I was getting text messages of people. And then I opened my Instagram, believe it or not, and I saw an academic's post his face <laughs> and the speaker moving and said TMZ that we was on a plane and what was going on. And it had the guy, I could hear the guy's voice that I was just talking to the pilot. So someone, I don't know if someone sold it or someone said, how would they even know we was on the jet? I don't know, but that's when I got scared. That's when I was like, oh shit, this is a problem. And you were trending on Twitter? Yes, like yeah. everyone's talking about our plane. It was on CBS, watching the plane land, if it landed safe. Like when I saw the text messages when I got scared so, and when I was worried, but after that, well, how do you how do you compute it in your mind? You can't like it, it, you can't. It's like I was just thinking, what's our destiny gonna be? It's so fuck. It's, it's crazy. Well, it's just crazy. I don't wanna swear. No, no, that's no. how I feel though. But it like, was fucking crazy. But like, like you, it was you know, nuts. you have two hours at least until yeah, until you I are find able out. Yes, and I and I'm sitting down and we're looking at each other, and we was cool for long. But I'm not gonna lie, there was a point where me and Post looked at each other. And he gave me this look. And the look he gave me, I wasn't, I, the text came in, his look, like the it started happening, the brain starts ticking. And he gives me this look like, never again are we getting on a private jet. Like, yeah. yeah. We did, we have done, but I'm just saying he gave me this look like. But but even no. then, so on a, on a commercial flight, you have all of these, you have a lot more people, first of all. You have, uh, you know, uh, uh, Stewardess, uh, what do we call? Yeah, them? we had a stewardess. Yeah. The stewardess was making me. We had one. Yeah, she was making me calm. She's like, guys, listen, we've landed without this. We've landed like it's not them, but she's saying we've landed without this. We've like I've been in situations with this. Like you're, it's okay. You're gonna be like we're good. Yeah, we but, can land. But she made no. They made us feel good. Oh, and, that's, and the, the the pilots, they did a great job. That's amazing. Like me and the pilots still talk. Me and Ron still talk today. Like, that's awesome. Well, that's got to be like when you've. Basically gone to war with somebody. Yes, you know? like he, I told him like, bro, when we when we when we get our own jet, you're definitely flying for us. I yeah. don't want anyone else flying than you two. Because I would be the type that like, even if someone came by and it's like it's, it's okay, I would have been like cool. And then my mind said it's not okay. No, and I know better most, than the professionals. Yeah, <laughs> out of a lot of the hours that was going on, or a lot of the hours that we was up there and it was going on, they made us very comfortable. Like, I'm going to be honest, like, they made us feel like whatever, however they've been trained to make sure that the passengers, like, don't worry. We wasn't worried until, like, maybe the last hour, two hours, or when the texts started coming in and people started getting worried. And you know, you're on TMZ talking about where a plane landing and crash landing. Like, it sounded crazy on TMZ when we looked at just looking on the text. Yeah. So, do you respond to texts? Did I respond? Did in I the respond? moment. Yeah. Like, cause I feel like that's gotta be like, yeah, that makes it very yeah, real. Yeah, I did. We did. I responded to a few texts. So when they went down like, to let them know it was okay. And that <laughs> we're going to be a little late the, yeah, to, yeah. to the venue. <laughs> Bro, you know, the craziest thing is after we landed on the two tires and all of this happened, we got off the fire engines, chaos, da, 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 like craziness. Within an hour, hour and a, no, a couple of hours when they, we found out that the next jet wasn't coming for us to get there. Post wanted me and him to get on the, on the plane. We left there. We got Uber. Did we get Uber? No, someone drove. Someone drove. Yeah. We drove all the way to Newark from like somewhere crazy up upstate New yeah, York. Upstate, yep, yeah. yeah. And we drove to Newark Airport. And I'll never forget because I was like, wow, that was crazy. We almost just died. 
Then we walked into Newark Airport and the whole, like, bro, it was like 85% of the airport was turned around. We're in TSA and people are looking at me and post like, <laughs> wow, you, are you guys okay? Like, like, we didn't know how big the news, how crazy it was, but half the airport, people who would be like, might have been a post, but I might have known his songs, wouldn't turn around and be like, hey, yeah. you guys are getting on a plane? Like... <laughs> We were going through TSA and everyone, the captain, this, that. We got to Virgin Atlantic. All the flight attendants was like, wow, hey, guys. Okay, we, we see you getting on a flight today? Okay, listen, we're going to make sure this is the most comfortable flight yeah, you guys yeah. have ever had. Like, it was crazy. By the way, when you guys landed the, the second time, which should have been like the first time, I guess, but the yeah. second time, when you guys landed, that would be the, the only time that it's okay to clap on a plane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, like people be clapping on planes, like, yeah. Ooh, yeah. like yeah. they're excited for a vacation. No, that's when you clap. Yeah. That is it. Oh my god. The pilots are G's geniuses for G G's for geniuses. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, Seriously. thank God that you made it. Thank God. Yeah. I know it was a long description, but it was also a long life, bro. I thought it was over right then. Crazy. But you made it. We made it. And, 2018, uh, great well, year. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the very beginning. Okay. Where are you originally from? London. Whereabouts? Bri Brixton, South London. Bra yeah. Bra 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought some tires just blew out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so your your accent is from London. It's not just a put on. You're not from Staten Island. No. <laughs> You've been pretending this entire no. time. No. It's a different island. No. It's yeah. definitely, definitely from London. London. Um, people do ask me, like, you have this weird New York. Like, people in LA say, you have this weird New York London accent. Like, did you just like adopt? No, I don't <laughs> yo, people in LA are idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love LA. No one's idiots. So, uh, <laughs> what's growing up in Brixton like? Tough. Yeah, very tough. Um, growing up in Brixton, I wouldn't say the same, but the the ex the closest I could say is like growing up in Harlem or Brooklyn. But now it's gentrified, mm -hmm. which is the same thing what happened in yeah, Harlem sure. and yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and. Bro, it was really tough. Like you, growing up on the street, you learned like different ethics that I think the different ethics on the street that I learned in London brought me to where I am today, if that makes sense. Sure, of course. All the stuff that I went through in London definitely made me who I am today. Any siblings? Yeah, two sisters, both Older? younger. Both younger. younger. You're yeah, the oldest. I'm the oldest, yeah. So what does that mean in terms of you like surviving, you know, out in, in the Brixton streets? Man, a lot, but they grew up seeing like their big brother like surviving in the Brixton streets, and you know. Um, but who do you learn from? Is is it's a good one? That's yeah. a good one. Um, when I was younger, my uncle, I would say, like he was who I saw very more streetwise. Should I say, like out of all of like the family, I had one uncle that was slightly more streetwise. And I guess like I learned there and in my grandma's house, believe it or not, everyone used to come to my grandmother's house. It was like the hub, if that makes sense. For sure. It was like the hub for our back, our safe background, our safe haven, if that makes sense. Yeah. And people would always come around or come over and just, just school. There was just so much. Brixton's very, it's tough. It's tough. It's not like, it's just like growing up in any inner city um, surroundings where you just go through some life experiences and if you learn from them, it takes you to the next level very quickly because you're learning at a different rate than someone else who's not coming from an inner city place like that. When was the first time that you like saw outside of Brixton? Hmm. 
as in leaving or, as in or, leaving or just in general like just being like in london i've been in london seeing that there's like a world like bigger than that i always knew there was a world bigger than that but i think when i started to make money and no when i started partying <laughs> Yo, no, no. When I started partying, I think, believe it or not, girls made me learn more about London than, than I would ever expect. Because you'd meet a girl from somewhere, and then I was going to meet up somewhere in another part of town and stuff. And yeah. Like, that's how you start adventuring. And as a kid as well, you know, we used to ride bikes and ride far and ride out. Like, venturing out of bricks wasn't the hard part. It was never having to go back. That was right. the, that was the <laughs> yeah. hard part. Not wanting to go back. And I think when I started making money, I remember, like, I had a moment in the summer where I went to North London where some of my boys, I had two, like, I support this football team called Arsenal, and I used to watch them all the time. And I had two friends over there from Highbury called Lanley and Marvin. Yeah, wow. And they made me see that it is different where I come from. Like, it is totally different. Like, one of their friends said, yo, it was on your ends, fam, the other day, last week, fam. Bro, every other call. Was a nigga with a hat on looking in my car, felt aggressive. I was like, yo, how the hell you survived out of there? And I, I heard that and I thought, wow. He's actually right because where I am in this surrounding is totally different. And I think every day for the whole summer, I used to wake up, do what I had to do in the morning, and I was out over there. And this was like, made me, I don't know, it just made me look at things a lot different. Your circumstances and the circumstances, the hands you dealt really can shape your tomorrow. So when do you realize that what your surroundings are are not great? Like how do you how do you know that it's not just like this everywhere else? It's a good question. I figured that out that when when just like this what I was saying to you, when I went on to North London where some of my friends grew up and the stuff that they saw and like their struggle was a little different. And I was like and like West London, I was like these guys' struggles are totally different. Let me give you an example. Let me just give you a plain, plain example. You have, you'd have Brixton, which is probably like Brooklyn, where, I don't know, just giving you an example from the streets. Mm -hmm. A crackhead would be begging for money. West London, a crackhead would already have money. Like, do you understand where I'm coming from? Mm -hmm. Like, they would be on a downward spiral going into taking drugs whereas where i come from they were stealing or doing something else to get the drugs if that makes sense yeah, yeah. so people from west london the hustlers were selling were selling whatever but driving big cars already because their area was a bit and ours was more of like it was just a total different hustle yeah and if you could see like people who are addicted to drugs have money and people who are not don't and the difference it just made you understand a differentiation. And what and are some of the morals that you learn from growing up in Brixton? Great question. I learned um, most of the morals growing up in Brixton or growing up that always repeats from like my grandma. Some of the morals that I learned, like do unto those what you like done to you. Um, always have great energy. The world don't owe you shit. Hmm some of the some of the main morals there's others but like there's some of the main morals that i definitely grew up on um so i know you didn't finish school no um I tell left, us about that yeah left school at 15 15 yeah what do you know at so 15 in, in the uk you think you know everything at 15? yeah you do, <laughs> you do. <laughs> in the uk you finish school at 16 
And I remember this donut, Mr. Vickers. <laughs> and he, I, he got me into the school. I remember I had gone for an interview of him getting me into the school. And I, I don't know. I just remember that I was a big instigator at school. And there's no way that no one caught me doing anything wrong. It was just a whole load of different stuff that all jammed up into one. And I don't know, like, they just found a way to get me out of school before exams. Damn. Like, they, it was so horrible. Imagine you do all your coursework. You guys call it GCE over here? GC, we call it GCSEs. What do you mm. guys call it? Like SATs or no, ACTs SATs, or I don't know. know. Regions? Yes, they know testing. I don't know what the <laughs> final test. Yeah. The final test before you leave school, they made sure that I didn't. The Monday you had to hand in your 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 coursework. Mm -hmm. Friday to be a doctor. <laughs> no, <laughs> a doctor. <laughs> the Friday. They didn't just tell me I was out of school or mm -hmm. I was getting kicked out of school or you don't come back. The letter was probably sent from Thursday. So it got to my mom on Saturday morning. I'm at my grandma's house all normal. Do, 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 we can. <laughs> and my mom calls me in the morning and wakes me up and tells me, what, what's this? And I'm like, what do you mean, what's this? It's like, you've been kicked out. Like, you're not. I was basically being kicked out of school and I wasn't allowed. I couldn't go back and do my test because I couldn't hand in the coursework, if you understand. It was yeah. very fucked up and slick by this motherfucker because he got me out of the school the, the Friday when Monday I had to put in my coursework so that, therefore I couldn't do my GCSEs you made me do all this work for how many I don't know months two months three months working on finishing school and then got kicked out it was crazy and you're not given a chance to finish no I didn't have a chance to finish so have you ever seen Lean on Me the movie yeah I feel like I know I have I know Morgan I have. Freeman yeah, yeah, yeah I know I have yeah I know I have. I can't remember it for some reason. I know I have. I know you were I the have. bad kid that got locked out. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't a bad kid. It was more of a, I told you, like more of an instigator. Like, no, don't tell me. Tell Mr. Vickery. <laughs> <laughs> so yo, I'm telling you, that was actually, I, I like it. I thank him today. It was really well, good. Well, today you yeah, do. Today I'm sure I at 15 him. you weren't so diplomatic. Yeah, no, at 15 I remember like, getting on my bike 15 16 years old after getting kicked out of school i don't even think i was 16 yet i'm playing biggie i don't want to live no more mm. sometimes i hear death knocking at the front door i'm living every day like a struggle i love that record i remember riding my bike listening to that record and like what am i gonna do like like a movie like literally riding my bike listening to that song in my earphones there's certain moments in your life that you remember like you don't remember everything but you remember times places and that moment i was definitely thinking what's next what was next <sighs> keying mr vickers car popping <laughs> 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 his tires <laughs> yo that that was a love to but i told you i wasn't one of, i wasn't a malicious guy i just I just dealt with whatever cards that i was dealt and i just said like i had to pull my socks up and get it together and then, like, now it's cool, but back then it wasn't. And, bro, I was a good weed hustler. Yeah. Like, yo, back in the day at school, like, in London, like, I hustled joints, bro. Like, you could go to school, you would sell a joint for two, like, basically in America, it was probably $2, $3. Mm -hmm. So I would sell joints for two, $3. At, so I just thought to myself, okay, um, the one skill I definitely have is I'm good at selling trees. So let me see. 15, 16 years old, kicked out of school. 
My mom said, no, you're going to go and do this course. I'm like sorry, course. wait. You, you, did you run this plan by your mom? No, okay, yeah, no, yeah. no. Said she said no. No, I, mom, like, no, I, I thought I was going to hustle. Yeah. My mom was like, hell no. Like, she didn't say hell no. Right. She was just making sure. Do you think your so, mom knew? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They know everything, right? Yes, oh, so yeah, she could, your mom do. could smell? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she definitely smelled trouble. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know, like, I, I went to do this NVQ, this called NVQ Level 2 or whatever, where I could get the GCSEs, you work four days, you go to school, I think, one day a week, and you work four days a week, like, an experience or something. Bro, I did it for two weeks and walked out and said, I'm never doing nothing, I'm never working for no one that well, ever what was get. Like, what was that experience? Were you, like, temping somewhere? Yeah, bro, it was temping and admin, it was the worst thing in the fucking world, bro, like... <laughs> If this was my welcome to the corporate world or how how it worked, you I hated it. it. No, yeah. bro. I remember smoking a cigarette down this alley and like every day you would eat your, wouldn't eat your lunch there, but like the people who worked in the area would meet up and smoke a cigarette during their lunch break or eat or whatever. It was just, I was like, this is not for me. This corporate, like I didn't even know it was a corporate world. I was just learning admin and uh, it, was, it was crappy. So After two weeks two of weeks, that, yeah. I, the woman I worked for is so funny. I wonder if she knows who I am now. I wonder if she read it out. Because she really pissed me off. Ah, oh, bro. Mrs. Vickers. Yeah, no, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, we could call her that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even remember her name, but I remember her asking me to do one thing, asking me to do another, asking me to do another. Like, oh, so after like I was getting job. pissed off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, yeah, it was my job, but, like, I asked her, maybe I was a little slick, and I asked her, like, which one do you want me to do first? Like, mm -hmm. you asked me three different things at once. Which Which order? And she got upset and she said something slick. And I just looked at her. I was like, picked up my jacket and walked out. Like, Whoa. just looked in the mirror in the elevator. We call it a lift. I looked in yeah. the mirror and I just said, I'm not doing that again. I'm not working for no one. I, I never did. Never? Never. So it was only two weeks. It wasn't even work. It was like work experience for two weeks. But I never, ever after that worked to anyone again. Well, let's just put this into sort of context here. You're 15, 16 years old. Yeah. You don't have your degree. Yeah. You're still living in, in Brixton? Yeah. No, well, my mom moved out of Brixton, but I moved back okay. to my grandma's house, which is pretty crazy. Because you always want to be where the action is when you're young. You move out of town, you're thinking you're missing something. But, like, I went and moved to my grandma's house. What Do you have any friends, like, in similar circumstances in that time? Yeah, I had a few, but not in the same. Some finished school, some didn't. But yeah. most for the t most part finished school. So, yeah, so you're on your own. Kind of. And where do you go? Bro, I just figured it out. Like, I figured it out big time. I don't know. I remember 18, 17, 18, I told you. I went back to the only tool I had, which was the hustle, which actually taught me everything that I knew today, which makes so much more sense to why you see that hunger or why you see how I am today. Like, I just said I'm going to make it. I'm not going to stop. So what are your skills? You're a good salesman in that? I that time? I, well, think, I think that's what I could call it. Yes. Yeah. How was, that was the weed, probably the was, best. It, was it good weed or was it just like... Yo, you know, back in the days, like, well, they call it, like, I just left DR and, and we ran out of weed. 
But I, they bought me some weed and it reminded me of that. It was haraka. <laughs> I call it haraka. You know that dirt, the Mexican looking weed yeah, that's yeah. On, on the block? Like, <laughs> that's how it was looking those days. But it was the first surgence of the skunk weed. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. call it skunk weed. Like, it was the first skunk just came around. Like, But at this time, it was so hard. Like Everyone was like, weed wasn't supposed to be a great thing at that time. Now everyone is gentrified. Oh, whole weed yeah. gentrified now there's now. like strains back then. Yo, it was like, yeah. yeah, there was no strains, bro. Right. Yeah. Now, by the way, now everyone's a weed salesman. Yo, <laughs> yo, like, exactly. At that time, like it looked so like it was like shady. Yeah. Like, but now I can say, yeah, I learned sales from being in London from when my back was against the wall. Yeah. I was the favorite guy who came to drop off your bus. Where, <laughs> where, were, the, where were the cool spots, the cool parts of, of London to go back then? I always used to love the West End, which is like the the middle, like the city, like the center, like the West End was just. Is that where the clubs were? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. shopping, the clubs, yeah. Park Lane. It's like the theaters. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's just, I don't know. I used to love that area. It was just really cool for me. And then you have another area called Angel. Like London's got a lot of cool spots, but it's so gray. The mines are gray. It's cloudy. Oh, everything that I just said. One after another. So who's who's <laughs> who's running the party scene back then? Wow, who's running the party scene? You had these kids called Heartless Crew. They were so good back in the day. They were running it. Then you had Soul Solid. Don't know if you guys ever heard of them. Mm-mm. Um, we're more Richard Blackwood guys. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Richard Blackwood. <laughs> that was a comedian for all of you guys who don't know. Like he was like a British black comedian, really good. Like. Yeah. I, What's that? Grew up on he, it, he but he was good. Yeah, he had a little rap song. Yeah, he brought an album too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Richard Blackwood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think who else, bro. It was who crossed over. Like I'm trying to think at that time who crossed over. Like I mean, we had like Craig team. David. Yes, Craig David. But even locally, over. like were there? What was the scene? <laughs> Slick like? Rick was forever away. Yeah. <laughs> Slick, Rick, Slick Rick wasn't my time, bro. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? Yeah, that wasn't my era. But like, but like, who's, you remember like the Hollies, yeah, <laughs> the Kinks. <laughs> within within the scene, like, who are you really paying attention to? Who's like running the city? It doesn't matter who like made it over the pond. Like, who's really like local? But like, who's throwing parties and stuff? Yeah, like any of that. Like, who do you get really excited? Yo, my my Thursday nights, we're gonna go support this. No, I just remembered back in my time, there was like a time where it was Soul Solid and Heartless Crew, like Heartless. They, they, they used to. You ever seen, um, I can't remember the show. I don't want to say the wrong name. But like, they used to, no, there's a show with MC Grinder. Post put me onto it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MC Grinder. That's um, uh, um, People Who Do Nothing. People, I was going to say this, yes. So, bro, what they do in that show where they they, they play garage beats and like these beats and guys start spitting over them. Bro, that's what my era was. Like that whole thing was these guys who go have pirate radio stations, mm-hmm. put antennas on the high, high buildings, broadcast across um the UK, and bros, whoever had the best spitters, whoever had the best, would have the best clubs. They would have the bro would lead from the radio to selling ads to having the best nights in London. And most of London came from the pirate radio. So back in them days, bro, I tell you, it was definitely so solid. It was from South London. And then from North, you had Heartless Crew. And they were popping at that time in this era. Like, yeah. you probably won't know them like now, but people back in the UK, or if you Google them, you'd be like, wow. Like, that was that was a time when everything was popping. Also, you had Master Steps. 
He was a radio DJ. He probably still is. And a radio station called Choice, which is now Capital Extra. Mm -hmm. And he used to be popping too. He used to be just like popping Tim Westwood. How would I leave him out? Yeah. Stop it. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> like, yo. Like, Tim Westwood was also another one. That was popping. When Tim Westwood had a showdown, mm -hmm. it was on. But, bro, and we had this other thing called Sun City. Like, it was basically... You know, like you could have a, a name of a club night, but it wasn't at one particular club. It could move to anywhere. So you'd have Sun City, bro. It used to be popping. <laughs> Sun City and La Costa Nostra. Did you want to get involved in music at age 17, 18? Yes, definitely. And, and did you know what part of the music industry you wanted to be a part of? Bro, it's crazy. I used to be a DJ. I used to be a DJ for when I was young for all of the parties, all of the, if we had a christening, if we had a, a wedding, if we had a birthday party, I was a hustler. I told you, bro, I was a hustler. Like it wasn't just, I would hustle it. So I started hustling. I bought my records when I was young. I remember my first record I bought, I think was Eric B and, Ra Eric, Eric B and Rakim. Mm -hmm. um, I remember De La Soul. Yeah. I remember like I had records in the crate. And like, Did you have I someone to, to carry party. them? Yeah, you know, at that time, <laughs> I had to carry my own records. Had my little two turntables. I remember buying it secondhand. I couldn't get the Techniques yet because, you know, the Techniques SLs was the one back then. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get the Techniques, so I had to get the sec the, the bootleg techs. Oh. But, bro, I was still DJing. I think my love of music started from there. And it's, even before that, something that a lot of people don't know. One time I was in a, like, it wasn't a rap group. It was like a couple of guys from school was entering a competition and we put together a group and came second it was crazy but second place yeah but what was your name positive use yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i would say like my <laughs> no one's ever heard that before yeah just 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 drop like an exclusive right now yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right <laughs> no when i drop exclusive bars it's funny it's like only when we're drunk or something a post loves it he like says you know because dre's on the edge of confident and cocky like in between <laughs> his bars are so good like yo he comes yo. out with these one-liners <laughs> like it's just when we're joking around i don't rap. so you're djing at any event that'll have you any yeah any event that would have me and then that was still when i was like 17, 18, the love was still there. But I didn't know I was going into management. I just knew I wanted to be in music and I knew I wanted to be a boss in music, but I didn't know how. You didn't want to work for anybody. Was, yeah. 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 I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how it was going to transition. And like it transitioned very well. I just said, okay, it's management. But that wasn't until I was in my 20s, early 20s. So are you known around town at that point? Yeah. I was known around town, but not for music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for your dirt weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was known for the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as you transition into your 20s um, and you're, you know, you're doing all these side hustles, what is it that, that sort of like puts you in a position where you're like, you know what, this is going to be more than just a hobby and this is going to be more than just something that'll come and go? When, when my friend, one of my friends, called Soros, who grew up in my area, he did back in the DVD days like Cocaine City, yeah, Smack DVD, yeah. We had our DVD era in the UK, and I, my, I hope I, I, this is—he's gonna probably kill me <laughs> because he—he's probably gonna be listening to this somewhere. Or I don't know, but I had—we had a friend. I had a friend called Minor. Oh. 
he won't kill me. Okay. <laughs> Streets Incarcerated was called in the UK. That was, was the series. Big. That was like the DVD, the Smack DVD, and uh, and like my boy Soros was on one of these DVDs, and he was like doing a freestyle. He did a video freestyle video. It was so fire. But he went to jail. So then, you know, he, he, during that time I'm watching this, he was in jail, and I was like, wow. This kid is like, he's, he used to do reggae back in the day, but now he was rapping. And I was like, yo, he was getting a name, like building a name in Brixton. And like it was growing out of Brixton and this, that. We had like a crew called PDC. And it was just basically poverty driven children, I think. So he was rapping around PDC and this and that. And it was all from like this hood estate called Angel Town where I came from. And I watched this DVD, bro. And I just saw his talent. And it's so crazy because I sit back and say this today. I said this to Bobby, who I also work with. I said this shout without, to Bobby. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Bobby. Without no Soros, there'll be no post. Whoa. I won't say no post because it's not, I mean, of course. Post, yeah. but I mean, like, bro, just the whole way it all came together. Like, he he was the artist that I learned all of my mistakes, like, make mistakes. Like, yeah. you have to go through experience. And I feel like all my experiences I learned with him. Watching this DVD, he comes out of jail. People will start telling him that Dre's looking for him. Not like that, like Dre's looking for you around her, but he's like, oh, okay, Dre wants to talk to me. Must be something. Did you like know you said, did, did I have a name? Before? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you're saying, I had a name. He's yeah. like, okay, I wonder what Dre wants to talk to me about. And I talked to him, I was like, yo, let's do this. Like, let's blah, 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 blah. But rap wasn't as big in the UK, but people was doing more grime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, it wouldn't be a thing where you just blow up from rapping. And I feel like because. When you come from jail, there was no 50 cent stories. You don't come from jail and then you make it rapid. It was very controlled over there. So that I felt like we was being held back at some point and that we could do more. So I started coming to New York and was going back and forth. And then I told, I don't know if he kept going back and forth. I just decided I was going to stay here. Okay. No green card, no social security number, nothing. And I'm just saying I'm going to stay here. Under the radar. Under the radar, wherever I just decided to, I went back to the UK one time, two thousand and seven, and I decided that hold on, I came back and I think customs stopped me and said that in the last year I'd only been home one month. So that means that I was spending the whole the three month visa waiver that you get from for a UK citizen. I was coming here three months, going back home for I don't know a couple of days, a week, coming back, going. That's when I figured, oh, you need to you need to figure this out. <laughs> and yeah. like what are you gonna do? Like how are you gonna do this? And I just decided to stay. Like it was like, you know what? I'm staying here. I like it. I'm gonna battle it. That New York hustle. So I know that when you came to New York for the, like at least for the first time, you had like no contacts. You had two numbers. <clears throat> yeah, I had like two numbers in my phone. I think one of them was Saint Laz, this rapper called Saint Laz. Shout out to Saint Laz. Um, he was one of them. And I remember he taught me the, I wouldn't say the biggest lesson, but he taught me the biggest New York lesson. And it made me turn it into the whole American lesson. And he said, the game's to be sold, not told. Mm -hmm. And that resonated a lot. Because every time you thought like, it was friendly out here. We feel like you had friends. Like, no, bro. The yeah, or or he was just there. telling you the name of one of Snoop Dogg's albums. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but like that 
probably one or two telephone numbers. I have cousins out here in New York. And like, but my cousins, they was in the reggae scene. Like yeah. They were from Brooklyn. Flatbush. Oh, they were listening to Positive Youth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were listening to Buja Bana and Bounty yeah. Killer, and, yep. you know, playing dub plates in Brooklyn. They had a big name, but it wasn't for my scene. So, okay, you're a successful hustler in, in all ways back home in South London. Yeah. Does that translate over here? Yes. Um, because... I didn't know at the time, but everything I went through, every down, because, bro, let me explain to you, anyone listening at home, there's no up and up. Every time I had to, I got knocked back for something, I had to dust myself off and try again or start again. I did it so many times back home that by the time I came here, it was too, not easy. I was just like, okay, dust myself off, go again. Like, you're not giving up. Like, I don't know how, but I had that from being back there. That when I came here, I left. I remember I sold all my houses. You're going to think, how do you do that? Because we're going to go through the whole story. But, like, I had a couple of houses, buying and selling houses in the UK at one point. Remember, I didn't work for anyone. Yeah. So when I started buying and selling houses, I decided to leave. I sold, I remember one house took a year, a year and odd to sell. It was, like, the worst house sale I ever went through. And that was just before the market crash, 2008. There was like a, a housing market crash. Everyone thought I knew what was going on because I sold everything and left and went to New York. And three months later, crash. And everyone thought that I knew something, I was some genius. No, it was just instincts. I left and I survived with that money for the next year, maybe two years. Maybe not even two years, bro. Like a year and a half, two years, maybe. That's so, crazy. Because you could have like been caught in that and then just been stuck Exactly, forever. exactly. I took so the money, the came over here. the housing crisis. <laughs> <laughs> That's, there's, there's, no no, there's no drag. Yeah, there's no, no, no. no. <laughs> Hey, guys. Just want to interrupt this podcast to remind you that we have T-shirts available at itstherealcom slash shop. Right now, we have AKA t-shirts, we have Rockefeller t-shirts, we have Rough Riders, Two Jews and Two Black Dudes t-shirts, all available at itstherealcom right now. But, but, but wait, it gets worse. <laughs> or it gets better, actually. Yeah. If you've made it this far into the commercial, we have a little reward for you guys. Type in the code NAHFORREALFORREAL, N-A-H-F-R-F-R. And what happens, Jeff? Any orders within the United States get free, priority, shipping, until January 7th. Whoa. Whoa. Free priority shipping because, on any order. Because you guys are priority to us. It's thereal.com slash shop. Go get a shirt right now. When you come here 2007, 2008? 2008, yeah. Uh, I was already going back and forth. 2007, 2008, I moved. It, what, what, describe what it's like for, for a British guy here in New York City. Hmm. I was already used to New York. So because coming back and forth so much, I already had a lot of friends here. I had relationships here that I was already growing and building on. So it wasn't like really strange to me. It was just, I, I don't know. I was an Englishman in New York. Where staying. were you living? First, when I first came here, it was Brooklyn. Then it was Lower East Side. Then New Jersey, Edgewater. And what are you doing? Going to pret <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was. I was also like figuring out how it works, the music industry, just figuring out how it was, going from studios to studios, meeting the New York artists. Um, that's how I came. I came into I met French in 2007, did a song with him and the artist Sorose. The song was okay. It was good, but it wasn't great. And um, well, how did you convince French to do the song with 
with Soros? Was that, did you have to pay for it or Yes, no? yes. But at this time, French, no one, French, people knew French Montana from Cocaine City. Yeah. And he looked, it looked bigger from my country from when I came here. I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. it, he also is a great hustler. Like, I learned and saw the New York hustle in him because he also came from another country, from Morocco. It was just dropped off. He wasn't dropped off. His family, his dad dropped him off, his mom and his brother, and turned around and said, he's going back. And said, make a man of yourself. Yeah. It was so funny. He was young. But like, you just learn from all the different things you saw. And I remember me and him and learning stuff from him, Jada Kiss, like just a lot of different people. I was, I was just sweeping up the whole game. So crazy. I saw Jada like at Diddy's party like a month ago, a mm -hmm. month ago. He came up to me out of nowhere. I didn't even expect Jada in the West Coast or nothing. And it's just crazy that you remember things from an era like, and it's just crazy. Yeah. Well, you put together New York Minute. Yes, I made New York Minute with French Montana and Harry Fraud. Crazy. So yeah. how do you bring, first of all, how do you meet Harry Fraud? Bro, it was crazy. I met Harry Fraud on a art skin Kenny Park here. I was reverse parking a car <laughs> downtown and he was walking by. And because we kept getting tickets, I looked up, I like, didn't understand. You know, to meet the park, it used to be crazy. When I first moved here, I didn't understand it. And I asked him, can I park here? And then he thought I was a rapper or something. Yeah. And then we well, started talking. No, yeah. I, no. <laughs> so I told him how the artist goes to roll, some blah, blah, blah. I was from London. And then that was another learning curve. Wait, do you think Harry Fraud's answer to whether you could park there depended on whether or not you were an artist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it went from that to us going to his house studio hearing these dope crazy beats like at the time he would cut up records i felt like he was one of the best samplers of that time or that era for for our age and i remember him just killing it and i started having soros go on some harry forbes and just growing growing mixing going back and forth like and just my air got stronger and stronger and then i just kept i remember telling french like to listen to me that I have this guy, I got this kid who's crazy and you need to work with him and blah, 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 blah. And he didn't, it took like six months before he even listened to me and then he finally listened and that's what turned into what we know today is uh, New York Minute. And, and then, Shot Caller, yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah, Shot Caller, this, that. But that was also my biggest lessons too because I didn't get paid. Never got paid. No, that doesn't mean I was mad at anybody. No, of course. It just made just made me say "fuck y'all" for a second. Not like ah, fuck you guys. Just like I learned. But but you followed through. Yes, like you you yes. made that, and you were yeah, like, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. I'm like, wow, it's a bit satisfying to know that a guy from England came here and the song's now on the radio, and it's something to do with me. So I, I it, it gave me the confidence to know that what I can do. So now so, you, now your name is. Circling around New York City. Yeah. Well, the so name that, that he gave you, because now you're yeah, Dre London. Dre London, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. everyone knew me as Dre, you know Dre from London, London Dre. And then French kept calling me Dre London. Or, I don't know, it came about, but it was definitely around the era where the Dre London started. So who else is around French at that time? Max B. Yeah. yeah. That, was my Max into, B? that was my enter into the hip-hop. Bro, I'm sure the first time Max B and French met, I was there. Wow. Like, that's how in that era I was. Like, that was my entrance to hip-hop. And I remember, like, 
Max being on Bell or something before he was on Bell or just I just remember all this crazy stuff like real New York hip hop shit like I remember driving up to Connecticut for shows of Max B Yo, and French Montana back Hartford, in the day yes big, Hartford big market huge yeah, big market for Hartford, Connecticut yeah, Boston yeah, okay. Bridgeport that's <laughs> how I learned the game yeah I sat down and was like it, bro the reason why this was important these guys were blowing up off of the DVDs. I was with French looking. He, French Montana will contain. He said it. Dre used to come with me to my distribution house. I've been in the distribution house where I could see all the dots. Where the guys were distributing the DVDs to. Like the other stores. And I'm like, hold on. They have stores across all of this in America? Bro, this was before YouTube and the internet era like really came. Yes, the internet was there, but hip-hop wasn't on the internet, if no. that makes sense. Streaming yeah. was not a yeah, thing. There was no streaming. No. There was nothing. And the DVD era, I remember it was YouTube, bro. And French was the smart. He's just a hustler, bro. He was smart. He managed to transition first. He was one of the early artists that transitioned from the DVD to Worldstar. Mm-hmm. Early days. I don't know what day this was, but like it was back in the day. And that transition, the whole hustle of the DVDs, I, I guess it was how I was learning. Then I saw these guys go from DVD to going to play sold out clubs in Connecticut, Boston, up and down, North Carolina, blah, 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 and getting paid good cash. And that's when I was like, okay, there's a lot of money in hip hop. These guys are distributing through DVDs, getting bigger and blowing up. And going and doing shows like it was just the biggest thing to me so when it transferred to the internet i had to learn it fast and that's where i feel like my transition was smart so much like your um hustling days back yes back home yes you give a little something to someone for free yes and then they can come back and they know you're the guy to get it from. Yes. So that's like what they're doing with Worldstar at yes, the time. Yes. All right. You can get it for free I didn't here. I understand it because it wasn't. It but wasn't you want to see us live? Yes. We're going to charge you out the ass. Exactly. Yeah. And I used that model to look at. We didn't know it was streaming, bro. But I looked at it and just started studying that and YouTube. Yeah. I'm not saying like I was some YouTube expert. No, I was just trying to understand it. Yeah. These things were new, bro. Imagine an era where these things are all new and you have to understand it. And the smart ones was already making money off of it because they were sharp. Were you paying attention to the all the blogs? Yes. Miss oh Info, my god, bro, bro, this is my era. Like, yeah. Nah, yeah. right. Yeah. Like I remember, I was trying to always make sure <laughs> I was sending emails to Nah, right. Yeah. Like, two dope boys, Miss Info. Her site was big. Mm -hmm. Um, who else was there, bro? Oh, on Smash. Could, yes, yeah. on Smash. Rap Radar. Yeah. Don't forget you my guy new, Rap yeah, Radar. You feel one. me? Yeah. Yeah, bro. It's crazy how that era's changed to Instagram. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Like academics is yeah, like the new. Yes. Yeah. Or actually like the shade room is like the, the new. The shade extreme. room or academics or baller alert. Like yeah. this is. Or LeBron's Instagram, whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like these, are, that was basically the what we used to do back in the day. We used to go on the blogs to find out that. And you'd have your favorite blogs, your videos come out, this, this, that. It was basically the same thing, but not on the app. Yeah. So where did you want to take your your career? Did you want to find an artist at that point that was just yours? Or did you want to like get an established artist and, and take them to the next level? Or, or were, you, were you like content being not 
French's manager, but like French's like second manager. Yeah, it's so weird because was, that's how I felt. Gab- that's how uh, I felt. Gabby. Yes, yes, that's how I felt. Uh, it was like second manager. Bro, believe it or not, like I remember back in the day, Garby reminded me, like, I don't know, some time ago, uh, South by Southwest last year, I was swimming at the airport. Like, Garby used to drop French off to my house back in the day, like, yo, bro, I don't know, it's four or five in the morning, go, go, Drake's French. Boys, man, like, <laughs> yo, because Garby's smart. Yo, <laughs> yeah, I learned. <laughs> I learned how smart he was. Trust me. Or French wanted to leave in the Bronx or whatever, or he had to get away from the Bronx, whatever, bro. He would come and we'd be in my house in Edgewater, in New Jersey. It's crazy. Yeah. Did you realize uh, what a genius and how forward thinking Max B was at the time? Bro, I didn't. And then it was after I realized, if that makes sense. When I was around it and seeing it all, I didn't. And then when he got locked up and time was, and I saw how much of a legend and what I was around. I was like, wow, this guy was ahead of his time. Yeah. Really ahead of his time. Bro, if you not saying that no one else, but he was doing the singing rapping early, bro, with the yeah. melodies and stuff early. People don't know it, but like Max P had that vibe early. He was like Bigger Valley was what his name was. He was the best person. He was mixed between Tupac and Biggie. And like I don't know how anyone could do it, but like he was like the proper middle for the two, and his nickname was Bigger Valley because he managed to master it. And such a personality. Oh my god! And that's why it translated on YouTube and yes. all like yes. you know. World and whenever Star anyone and saw him, like when you see different things today, like like when you saw like how Takashi is and all these different artists today, that was the Max B back then. Or that Cardi. Was, or Cardi. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Max B was that back then. Yeah. He was he was just himself. Yes. You can't duplicate that. Yes. Yeah. Um, what was it like uh, working with Chinks? Wow, that was great, man. Bro, he's such a great, such a good dude, man. Rest in peace, Chinks. Absolutely. Bro, mm-hmm. such a good dude, bro. Deserved it. Hungry, wanted it. When that song, the fuck about your feelings, like when that blow, I was so happy. Everyone was happy for him because everyone wanted him to win, bro. Yeah. Such a good dude, man. Rest in peace, Chinks, man. Yeah. So where do you go personally as as French, you know, moves moves up? He starts climbing. Yeah. He moves up. He moves to LA. I started taking things, taking, like, I started being, like, obviously climbing, like, you know, networking, started climbing the network ladder. What was really weird is that when I started going back and forth from LA and I met Pulse, French just got a crab or just moved to this is like 2014 so he's dating chloe like this was yeah like this was around Julius that time yet? no okay no. <laughs> oh by so the way, 2014, yeah, 2014 by the way, we have a lot to talk about with julius so mm-hmm. like i hope that we can yeah <laughs> so 2014 um i decided to move there and some strange without us even talking about it, bro no conversation french was in the same midst of moving back and forth to la too and then started dating chloe like you said mm. And I don't know, I was just sweeping up and learning as much as I could. Yeah. And I met Post and after the Grammys around March 2014. Under what circumstances? Someone brought me to a house um, in Encino telling me that they had, not someone, uh, a guy that I know from the UK before called Bronze. I didn't know, I met him out here. He lived in Miami. He moved to LA and I moved to LA, Post moved to LA a month before that. And there was all these different producers and gamers and stuff in the house. And like, he just basically said like, yo, 
there's this crazy house and stuff. Like, I know something can work from here. I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck happened from this house, but like, there's all these talented kids in here. Like, and one of them happened to be Pulse. Why, why do you go there? I go there because of my instincts. Maybe everything that I told you before that I've learned from my hustle or every single thing that I've learned from Brixton or New York that I went there. Like, I, I even fell out at that time. I've started designing women's shoes. I started like my women's shoe line, started designing it and putting it together. I didn't say I fell out of love of music, but I fell out of love of the music business. Well, wait, what was, the, what was the shoe company called? It's called Cruel London. Cruel with a K. K-R-U-E-L. So it's not called Positive Shoes? No. <laughs> no. Yo, you guys. No, no Positive Shoes. And like, I remember, I, I remember going to LA at the time. Soros was there too. I was going back and forth. Went to LA, shot a video on this big house. It's that. And I think Post also saw the way that I was taking care of another artist at the time. It was like, Wow, okay. Yeah. Well, and, just real quick. Did do you think that French did you have anything to do with French uh jumping on that Crepton Conan song? Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He asked me who they was. He FaceTimed me from the UK. <laughs> and no, he didn't ask me who they was. He asked me if I knew who they was. I'm yeah. like, bro, are you dumb? <laughs> like, yo. Took around my hometown, bro. Of course that, I know. That was, that's was. a great song. And no, by the way, it should have been bigger. It should have been. Yeah, yeah. They didn't cross it over. A lot yeah. of things they didn't bring it across the pond. Yeah. So you so you go to this house in Encino. Yeah. All the way out in Encino. Which yeah. by the way, like, you know, you say that you that your instincts brought you there, but that could have been a total waste of time. Because you said you, there are a yeah. bunch of kids in that house. You could have yeah. focused on any one of those yeah, kids. Yeah, there was kids who were gamers. There was yeah. kids who was um Right, Which could've... is to say, I'm sure they're all lovely people. But yeah, like, but it doesn't mean them... that everyone's talented. But there was right. one called Austin, and his name was Austin Post. And, bro, he just had this spark. I don't know. He could rap. He was just rap. He was strictly rapping. But then at night, he will play the guitar and start singing when we were lit and get drunk. I remember I was like, Did Yo. he know who you were? We started to learn. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But but is he just like, oh, cool, that's... That's just Dre. Yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah, oh, cool. That's just Dre. Or do you think that you but were like, a in rapper? The beginning, and... I think, no, I think in the beginning, like you know who I love, Smitty. In the beginning, he told me like when you first came around, no one liked you. <laughs> I, I didn't like you. He was too cocky. It was like, who's this guy coming around? Mercedes Benz, all these girls. Like, who the hell is this guy? Think he is? Like, but I respected him for telling me that after. Like, Look, straight up, if 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 he was to be more. If, if if you're a new artist and you come up to you who's established and you like try to show off like too much, that may be a turn off. Work. Yes, right? turn off. It's a turn off. But so. also if you're like too quiet, it's you have you to find a middle, yes. Yeah. You have to be hungry, not thirsty. Well, also, did you feel established at that point? Yeah, it's a somewhat. It's more than what everyone who was in the house. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, listen, this is what I do, this is blah 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 blah. I remember the 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 biggest not the biggest, but there was a few turning points. I remember French had his cars, but no house, bro. And he had the car that he got for Chloe, the the Wrangler truck, the big white truck. He basically told me to look after their cars. So I went and bought it to the house in Encino because I didn't have nowhere to live. I just had a good place to park it. Yeah. <laughs> I bought it to the house in Encino, parked up the, what was Chloe's car, what French got then, and parked up his Wraith, his Rolls Royce Wraith. I remember he left me the Wraith for the week. 
bro, that's when I was like, okay, this is lit. Yeah. <laughs> he only trusts me to look after his car for a week. He had to go away and come back, no problem. And I think Paul saw that too. I remember, bro, the only thing, this is going to sound crazy, that today I've never told anyone. Bro, I had Post driving French's Rolls Royce <laughs> Rafe. We shot like a fake music video, <laughs> like bro, like, Yo. like with our phones or a little small camera. Like Post was rapping, the stars was on. Like that was early. That was <laughs> 2014, bro. Damn. So, what's the first time that you hear White Iverson like, or had he already had it done in? The- no, 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 no. That White Iverson didn't get made till November 2014, the end of November. So what even keeps you like holding on for those uh, seven months? months yeah, eight, eight months. months. Post his talent. I knew it. I fucking knew it. I fucking believed it. I was going back and forth from New York and I just stopped going back. One time I was there for two months and I never missed New York. I didn't remember two months had passed and I was in LA. Then I remember January, I was driving a convertible Benz in the, in, with the roof down. I was like, yo, fuck New York. This is going through all of these things, meeting Post, seeing his talent, I, bro, you could say it or not. Like he was definitely, I definitely stayed and made sure that I stayed. I figured out a way to figure out how I was going to manage this kid because I believed in him like no one else, bro. Like, of course there were others, but like action speaks louder than words. Um, And I can't remember like the, cer- the, the, the real circumstances of it, but it was you and it was like Oz Cohen was part of it and was Zeke part of it? Yeah. Um, that was the beginning when, I don't know, like to lock it, to lock it in. I remember I was managing posts and didn't have paperwork in the beginning. And then when I finally got paperwork, everybody and their mama was trying to be a part of it. Hmm. And I remember that's how we, that was how the management started in the beginning. Like not in the beginning, after the beginning, hmm. after why Iverson came out. This was February, 2015. And that's when he said, okay, I want you guys to manage me. We put, came together and managed and took it from there. But that changed after a while. I think after like, I don't know, four or five months. And where? They stopped. They stopped. Post stopped wanting to manage them. I don't know. It just fell out, you know. Yeah. We would keep grinding. The grind was moving. Backpack, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> no stopping. Yeah. So are you, what's the percentage of your taking him out to meetings or on the other side, meetings are coming to you? Wow, that's a good one. I think it was a good mix of both. I was like doing seven jobs back then, PR, this, that, meaning seven. It's like, bro, it was crazy. That's how Bobby, how I got Bobby involved. Bobby felt sorry for me at one point. Because at, at the beginning, bro, it was like wrapping cotton wool. Like, I didn't want no one fucking it up, bro. I didn't want no one around to fuck this up. Like, I could see the vision and see where I want this to go. I could see the branding side of it. I see, I know he has this music talent, which is crazy. I don't want no one fucking this up. So I used to rap it in Cotton War and then Bobby was like, Dre, you're doing too much. Like, <laughs> I need to help you. And then Bobby was the guy at first, the beginning, the passwords, the emails. The t- Bobby would check all my emails, make sure like they were all replied to, this, that. Like, Because in the beginning, bro, you're like, basically, you don't know what you're building. We just know what you see and you keep going. And it turned into a big snowball effect. And how does Universal Republic get involved they why iverson was growing so big i remember we even got it to hit radio and i mean not just hit radios it f- fucked up the internet it's fucked up the clubs and then i remember picking up posts from the airport one day it was like 
what did you do? Because <laughs> as he got in the car, I was playing on Power 106. Wow. He's like, what did you do? And I'm like, bro, I didn't do anything. This, is, this is the time. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> this is the time. No, I told him that, bro, if you work, like, if we work hard enough and you got a record that breaks the internet and then breaks the clubs, the radio has to play it because the streets want it. And that's what happened. And why Iverson started getting in rotation and record labels were going crazy and bidding war started and it just went crazy from there. You don't have to say which label it was, but what's the craziest thing that, that any label offered up to you guys? We took it. Republic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we took it. We took it. Republic. Well, what'd you like about them? Bro, it wasn't... Monty Lemon's a fucking hustler. Yo, bro. <laughs> He's a hustler, bro. And he just... He, he knew how to talk and just knew... He knew what was right and when we got the paperwork right and he told me he was going to leave me alone to continue doing what we do and he just wanted to be a good partner and like let's move forward and I like that I didn't want someone who was going to be involved and try and dictate it and even back then bro the, record, the Republic Records did not understand Post Malone at the beginning bro like they didn't get it because he wasn't doing the traditional going around doing radio this that like we did one radio run bro once <laughs> and Post said fuck this bro <laughs> like yo he hated it. Yeah. He hated it. And we were, not to know then, but like we were already killing it on SoundCloud and all these other things. But we didn't know we was big streaming artists right then. We was the starting of the big streaming era. No one can ever take that away. Like the Post Malone breaking was the starting of stream, the, the major streaming era. Uh, it, I, Apple now started Apple Music and it wasn't just iTunes where you had to buy it. I remember when you went into a store, um, who's my boy now Carl Cherry Carl yeah shout out to Carl Carl and then Carl was doing the hip hop and controlling the hip hop Carl put posters a feature in the store so then people was now coming in I just signed it off I didn't remember I got an email telling me that Apple wants to feature him somewhere bro wasn't getting paid but he was now going to be an Apple feature I didn't even understand it bro because Apple music was now like the new was like Spotify and Spotify wasn't big in America. It was big in Europe. All my friends and family and that was using it and not family, but a couple of my friends was using it in Europe. Spotify wasn't big in America at that time. And it's I remember like it was just Swedish. like streaming. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. <laughs> and I remember like them saying they wanted to feature. I signed off and approved it, said it was okay. But then people started calling me and telling me that they were seeing why Iverson in Apple stores. And I was like, oh. So it was just so many snowballs of, of different things, bro. Like it was just a million different things at once that you made the right choices and you kept building the snowball. But you definitely have to know how to say no. I was saying no a lot too, bro. There's a lot of power in saying no. Most powerful word I ever know. Yeah. So, so you would get opportunities like knocking down your door. Yeah, and some opportunities I would have to knock down their door. And, and there was other opportunities knocking down our door. And I was just taking which ones I thought was good and going to attack the ones that wasn't right? it was just an education process what made you think that the that the beaver tour would be a good idea <laughs> was it exposure or was it that that sort of pop world no or? I, I bro because we became friends and we was already on a tour with Fetty Wap as well but we became friends before we went on tour and then I remember we had the LA stop and we was at Bieber's house like three, four nights in a row, late hours, late in the morning, partying, whatever, whatever. And Justin just turned around one day and said, I want, I want, I want you guys to 
to come on my tour or come on my, he wanted me to one last to tour of him and you said there's a lot of power no no I remember like Scooter Braun telling me I, I had to put together all these like to put together paperwork of the way the stage plot was gonna be and design shit I had no clue about back then bro like I had no clue because we was just out and we was singing over mp3 and you know just different stuff we, <laughs> yeah. we were broke we just broke for seven eight months like we was going and doing our own hard tickets which was like i don't know we was doing house of blues we was opening basically posters open up for fetty walk yeah and shout out to Bieber, like justin saw it early too i said it to him when we was when after coachella after we killed coachella like I said that. I remember you saw it early. A lot of people didn't see it. He saw it early and wanted Post to come on his tour. And then we figured that out. And I think it was a smart move. I, yes, I know it was a little bit dangerous because it was very pop. But at the same time, it was a lot of exposure too. And I just remember I wanted Post to play his guitar, bro. Like He didn't at that time, but I just wanted the world to see him playing his guitar. Yes, we had Dwight Iverson. Yes, we had Too Young. Yes, we had a few other. Like We had some good songs, but... The world didn't understand that this guy also played a crazy guitar. And I'd seen it them nights in Encino late when we were drinking, he'd be drinking forties and playing and playing on the guitar, playing Sublime, Bob Dylan. And I just used to think, Wow, this is crazy. So wait, so so post drinks more than just Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, back he used to draw. He, back that time it was old E. He was drinking. He was drinking, yeah. he was drinking that old E forty. Um, you were there the night that uh, Post uh, choked, supposedly, Justin Bieber. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. Today we call it trolling, but it was like we was in this club. It was like the craziest night on tour that night. It was like, fuck, it was so good. We went to this club called Clay, which is still big in Houston today. Clay, C-L-E. So we went to this club, and I remember security had to hold like a line for the people, like they were basically holding each other's arms to block our VIP. People wasn't at the club, they were just standing looking at Post and Bieber. The whole night, they were just standing facing them. And like, no one was partying, they were just standing there like they were looking at statues. And- uh, That's so weird. The, the, yeah, it was very weird, but these two always pranking around of each other. And Post went up to do his performance because it was a Post after party. And Bieber pulled up and Post went to do, to sing White Iverson and stuff on the microphone and Bieber outed a cigarette on his finger <laughs> while he was performing. And you see Post performing White Iverson, still on YouTube today. And he goes, <laughs> he starts doing this while he's holding the microphone, like looking at Justin, like, you motherfucker, like, singing White Iverson. So then when we get back down towards the VIP area, Post grabs him, like, you know, like, but jokingly grabs him and acts like he's choking him. And someone takes a picture, bro. And but they did it on purpose. Like, they were really like, posting him, were playing around and knew what they were. They didn't know it was going to get crazy like right, that. Right. Like, it was going to be in the paparazzi, the press the next day. Like, bro, I got phone calls from TMZ and stuff telling me that like, someone had a number for someone who got through to me. And this was my first. I remember we just got to the next town, like Austin, Texas. So we got somewhere, it was somewhere else in Texas. And I got a call saying that there's some disturbing news coming out about your artist and would I like to defend it? And I'm like, what? And then basically it was, uh, they were saying my artist was aggressive and then he was choking Justin Bieber. <laughs> but it was the craziest thing because all of us were frozen in this picture. Like, and 
my mom called me the next day after that <laughs> because it was in the newspapers in the UK. Oh my God. You were in the newspapers. In, yeah, yeah. I was cra- there was a picture like, of me. They, had, in, they in, have yeah. uh, quotes from you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So what was the first show in uh, London like for you with Post? It was moving. The first show in London was in this place. It was in East London. I can't remember what it was called. It was in a small place. But everyone told me why the F did I put it there because it was so small. We could have sold it 10 times over. But that was for me the story. I wanted people to know that whoever was there was on point and what it would do. And I don't know. Like It was just keep, keep the story of sell, 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 like selling out everywhere we were. And the first time we was in London, it was crazy. Sweatbox because it was everyone was going crazy. Western was there, right? Yes, yeah. and yeah, my guys, and there was it was just a great vibe, man. It was just a great vibe, and I just couldn't wait to come back to London again with him. Like we went across Europe. It was our first. It was November two thousand fifteen, bro. Like a year ago, we made White Iverson. No one knew it came out February, and now we're touring Europe. And we had this all planned before any record label. Like when we got signed to a label we was telling them we was going to Europe already like they couldn't believe it some people thought it was early it was greatest move because it opened up the doors but how satisfying for you to be back home <sighs> it was the biggest thing to see people from London singing and it was crazy but it hit me the most a couple years later at, at um, Wireless hit me more when I saw like 60, 70, 70,000 people singing your artists and you're thinking this is where I came from like it's crazy um, I want to go actually like a little bit back. Uh, what was it like? Because I know that that you you've thought about this since um, since it happened, and you're looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> but um, but I did my research. <laughs> I see. I yeah, mean, I know. That's why I gave you that look. Like, where's he going with this? But there was a trip. I mean, you you were you were doing shows with Twenty One Savage early, and you got stuck in Miami. Oh yes. So wow, bro. <laughs> well, you brought it up like because uh, you you added key. Yeah, that's yeah. where we made too young. So key's flight. The, no, there was like bad weather in Miami, and key used to also manage this artist called Key mm-hmm. and Twenty One Savage in the beginning too. And right, so key no Henderson one heard Twenty One. Yes, Key Henderson yep. the manager. Key he had K E Y exclamation point because it gets confusing. Yes, yeah, yeah. and then and then um, she also found Twenty One Savage at the time. So. No one knew who 21 Savage was, no one. But we was in Florida stuck. Uh, we couldn't fly. And I remember the day before I spoke to a producer that I know called Tech. And his little young producer he was teaching to produce knew who Post was. Tech had no clue. And then I, I rented a car and drove all the way to West Palm Beach, bro, from Miami. And Key came. She said, wait, my flight got canceled too. So then she came. And that night, we was in the studio, and that's when Pose made um, Too Young. Wow. It's crazy. And when does the label, obviously the label sees, you know, White Iverson just go through the roof and out of here. But when does the label really buy into what you guys have to offer? The full picture. 2018. <laughs> no. <laughs> um... 70, 2017, congratulations. 2017, congratulations. I'll definitely say it was a turning point. Of like, okay, 
these fuckers know what they're doing. As in, <laughs> you know as in, I guess these fuckers know what they're doing. As in, you guys brought them the song, or after they saw what what radio was doing for it? After they saw the reaction online, or yeah, streaming radio, streaming. Where it wasn't straight radio; it was more streaming and kids watching it on YouTube. And we put the video out January twenty three and twenty third. And bro, it was just that that definitely helped catapult it to another level. But then, bro, we already had a song with Bieber out, Go, and we had Go Flex, and um, it was just, we would just keep moving, bro, if that makes sense. We would just keep moving. Well, there is, obviously, everyone knows what a sophomore slump is, and everyone's afraid of it. Yep. You, know, you, you have all this time to put together- I'm not together, afraid of it. Yeah, <laughs> you have all this time to put together your first project, and you can say everything that you've been building up to this point to say. And then it's like, well, all right, I- I was successful in that first moment. How do I match that? Forget exceed it. Like, how do I not fuck up? Fail. Yeah. So, how do you guys go into that second project and say, "All right, we're gonna be okay"? Yeah. No, it was crazy. But because we make, we always work, bro. It doesn't seem like, but we're always working. And I remember we already had, we already had music ready for this, like. Beer Bongs and Bentley was like one of those things that we was making while on the road, making, we had another month in the studio house where we was just going back to back. Like we was just compiling this album without even knowing it, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. No, so when, when you guys came up came here, out, when you guys came up here. I don't even think Stoney was out. No. No, I don't no. think so. No. But, but I, I believe that, um, that post changed his his uh twitter name to beer bongs and bentley's and i was just like well that seems like his next project whatever it is and it became that yes but like if that's been the the sort of idea ever since then it's like cool yes you have a vision no it was it was he just put beer bongs and like 100 percent and bentley's on his twitter and was talking about like post just comes out with these words or these things that just that no one will just come out with bro like and we started shaping the album Beer Bongs and Bentleys. It's crazy, but it took a good year of shaping an album. No one makes great albums overnight, bro. So anyone at home who thinks that you can just make an album overnight because you can make music quickly, it doesn't work like that. So yeah. for you, were you always like, cool, whenever Post says it's done, it's done? Or did you ever listen and you're like, yo, I think this is a solid body of work and we could probably turn this in right now. Yeah, collectively. We did it together. Mm-hmm. For sure. But it was never the label saying like, hey, look at the look at the clock right now? No. Uh, they would say if we wanted a date, oh, you guys want that date? Okay, well, this is what we have. This is what we need if, yeah. the, if you guys are looking at that date. But there was never a clock. Um, do you think that Post is a hip-hop artist or do you think that genres are stupid? In 2018. I think genres are stupid in 2018. I think that's what I was trying to tell everyone in 2015. They wasn't listening to me. Hip-hop started trying to hurt, hurt him. Other sides, like, it was like, who is this? What is this kid? Like, no, bro. He's just an artist, bro. Like, this genreless. Like, no one wanted to, no one believed me in 2015 that we was pushing the genreless and you know who would have believed you max b yeah yes you're actually right yes and bro i just kept pushing for it because no one had seen him playing his guitar yet and i'm like this is crazy everyone thinks he's trying to imitate or trying to be someone else or trying to no he's himself and the more and more people learn that pulses himself is the more and more that they attracted to him so you you turn the album in how much of the marketing plan 
involved going to number one. But <laughs> how much of the marketing plan was like, hey, like let's cash all of our chips in on streaming? Uh, I think the label started to pay attention to something that we was doing something different than what was they was used to. This was a different thing. Like we've never seen this before. We need to start concentrating and studying this data and start learning more about what they're doing. Because it's a little antiquated to do a radio run. Exactly. It's a antiquated to like hope for that big cover on a magazine. Exactly. Well, magazine covers wasn't showing us no love. Wasn't getting no big looks like that, bro. And how much it did all it matter? came after? Like, yeah. Well, no, like Double XL, he like they offered him something. Oh, the freshman. Yeah. Oh, but he but was listen, probably too big for that. You no, know, he wasn't, bro. I told them no, and then they tried to make a big thing out of it. The woman from Double XL, yeah, yeah, uh, tried to make a big thing out of it. I went on the Breakfast Club and said, "Oh, I don't know." Post Malone's management said he doesn't do hip hop anymore. He's going into country. Bro, do you know how much that hurt me? I didn't say that. I said he's generalist. He could go across from hip hop, country, folk, anything. Like, I don't want to put him in a bracket and say he's the freshman. I put him on a, on a page with the freshmen. You know what was crazy is that I don't know who was freshman that year, and I can't remember. But I remember that they was talking more about my artist for not being in the freshman yeah. mm. than the people that was in the freshman. Well, by the way, maybe she thought that that he was going country because you were hanging out with Western. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> nah, I don't know, man. It's just she just didn't. People didn't understand it, and today they do. So where were you? Uh, I guess the week after, whenever the numbers come in after Beer Bongs and Bentleys gets released. I don't even remember where I was, but I just remember it was crazy. It was crazy. And like, we was very excited because it was like, yeah, finally people are starting to see what we're doing and they're starting to come together at a high speed. Well, yeah, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Don't, yes, yeah. so, so you where's saw that number. Where's of Jigger? And, <laughs> and do, you, do you feel like in that moment you've created a juggernaut and you just want to see it through? Or are there ways to finesse it to sort of like, all right, this is the next thing we want to go with or this is how we can move it even bigger? Or is it just like... Yeah, that's me. Post on thing like that, but that's me every, <laughs> every day, every day every day so yeah what is your everyday like are you looking at the numbers are you looking, no, I'm looking at, like, at everything i'm yeah. just looking at how it could grow more and back in that time as well i was looking at numbers i don't look at the numbers now it sounds crazy that does sound crazy i don't look at the numbers now bro i just do the quality of work if that makes sense i don't look at the numbers so so today you know you can go back you know to when you were a young man in brixton you're still you know a, a gut instinct guy yes yes so trends you don't pay attention to? No. Yeah. We set trends. We don't follow. Gut instinct. You see post haircut. What's mm. your first thought? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just banged my head, guys. <laughs> first instinct, I saw his haircut. Because he, also, guys, back home, Post had been telling me for a year he was going to cut his hair. Look, the ends... Blah, blah, blah. I don't know about long hair, but I know when yeah. the ends don't grow no more. The only thing you know about the ends start. is back in London. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I knew about the ends, Brixton. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, something about the ends and his hair was getting too thin. Or he had to do something and said he was going to cut it. But for the last two years, supposed to be saying he's going to cut his hair for a year and a half. But he knew as well, like, Dre, I'm going to cut my hair. He said it like that because Dre looked at Post's hair as part of his branding. Mm. <laughs> do mm -hmm. you understand? 
I remember him telling me, yes. I remember him telling me one day, I'll never forget. He goes, the weekend did it. His fans still love him. Like, yo, I was like, yeah, bro. bro, (laughs) Then he chops his hair off, bro, and I saw it. What was your reaction when Rita Ora dressed up as him for Halloween? Oh my God, I was dying. She texted to me. Did you, what? Yeah, she sent me the message. Her sister sent me the message, her and her sister. She goes, you know who I was for Halloween? And then showed me that she came out on stage in front of thousands and thousands of people dressed as Pulse. She was the best Pulse. Bodied it. Bodied it. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it, bro. Amazing. Believe it. Um, people out there do want to know, and I, I do want to clear up this rumor. And by the way, we love Post. Yeah. Absolutely love Post. How many times a month does Post shower? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, once, once, once. I'm sure at least once a day. Do you care how many face tattoos he gets? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All the right. First, the first one or two, I think the one. No, I was cool with all of them, bro. The only one that didn't worry me, but bro, everyone started calling me when he said "always tired." Under bro, his eyes. Yeah, and, bro. Yeah. That was the like all the rest is all. Oh, I didn't have no problem. Like when he's when he put that, bro. I wasn't worried. It was when everyone starts calling me like, Dre, are you working him too hard? Or is this? Or is it that? Or is oh, this? It's a, there's and a he message, said, yeah. I was, yeah, he said, bro, I was just expressing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm always t- like, it doesn't matter. It's nothing to do. Because everyone label, hey, maybe we should call off the tour. Stop the tour. Like, yo, <laughs> yeah, like, but he's trying to express like, himself yo, was, through the tattoos. Yeah, 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 yeah it was yeah, like yeah. panic. Like everyone was going crazy. Like, Dre, are you sure everything's okay? <laughs> his mom, his dad, like, bro, like the label, like, I never get a call from the label for a tattoo. Like, <laughs> oh, bro, it was crazy. But like, yeah, that was probably the only one that I raised the eyebrows. Like, has he convinced you to get any tattoos? A million times. <laughs> a million times he's tried to convince me. Oh, but it hasn't worked? No, I have vitiligo right there on my face, bro. I have the biggest tat in the corner of my chin. Like, I don't need anything else. <laughs> like, you know, maybe he's just a bad salesman. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, do you love Olive Garden told, as much as he does? I told him I might get Dre Vision, maybe. I might get, like, one day, but I doubt it, bro. Positive youth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you love Olive Garden as much as he does? Yeah, I do. He loved, He put me onto Olive Garden heavy, like... I love it, bro. But, but you guys have been to breadsticks, Italy. Then breadsticks. Yes, there's great Italian restaurants. He loves the breadsticks <laughs> and the salad, the, the breadsticks and the extra sauce that they bring. But bro, I can't really, eat, <laughs> can't really eat Olive Garden right now because I'm trying to stay trim. Um, what about Bobby Greenleaf? Can Bobby Greenleaf eat Olive Garden? Yeah, Bobby Greenleaf definitely eats <laughs> Olive Garden. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to assume you have met Julius Caesar. Yes. The, the, Do you guys get along? The monkey, the yes, monkey. the monkey. Yeah, yeah. The, the monkey. No, the monkey's French's best friend. Yeah, no, it's super cool. You guys get along? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I don't. I'm not as comfortable with French around the monkey having him run up and down and jumping all over <laughs> you and stuff. Like you see the true Moroccan come out in French when you see him around his monkey. <laughs> Uh, we have a we have a, a friend who lives in uh, that neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. And says that at night you can hear Julius Caesar screaming. <laughs> I believe it. You hear him screaming loud, bro. Um, so you had just like we said at the beginning, the most fantastic 2018. You broke all kinds of records. You guys have not switched up from your vision. You didn't let outside impulses, no, you know, no. s- like change you at all. No, not at all. How do you move into a new year and top what has been a pretty spotless record? Um, I think I just did it. I think we sat down, we had a conversation. 
and was looking at what's one of the biggest years, what's the biggest day that everyone has their phone in their hand, Christmas Day. Then we started coming with a plan for this new song called Wow. And we started planning it coming out for Christmas Day and put it out Christmas Eve because we knew it was smarter. And by the next day, everyone would be listening to it. So we put out Wow, the new single, and start looking into 2019 with Crazy. Right now, Is Wow is number one on Spotify, top 50. No, number one global Spotify. It's number one global and... Sunflower featuring Sway Lee, my boy. That's also number two. So right now, like, we're doing well, bro. Like, I, I'm not going to, no complaints. It's Christmas. It's just after Christmas 2018. It's going into a new year, 2019. The year's about to start in a day or two. And it feels good because it feels like where we're supposed to be. No one who put our record on Christmas Day. Like, I looked at Spotify Christmas Day. Yeah, I don't look at the numbers, but yeah, I do. <laughs> and I saw we was above Mariah Carey yeah. for the number one streaming record on Christmas Day, bro. Yo, if you beat Mariah, Christmas. yes, yeah. bro. If you beat Mariah on Christmas, like, you already know you're you moving. So what artists do you look to to model, you know, Post's Ascent? I don't model it, but we have an artist called Tyler Yahweh that we signed. That I signed and Post also has involvement. But I don't look. You can't translate what we did, bro. No, no, no. But I'm, a, I'm saying like, there's no one before you who has done something like this. Is there anybody to be like, yo, I, I want Post to end up like that person? Hmm. I don't know. I, I, me personally, I would love Post to end up like further down the line. Like, you see how like I'm not saying it's not the sound, not any, no comparison. Just what they're doing. Do you see how you saw U2 selling out stadiums across the world at their age and the rate that Bono of them have been doing it? That's what I'd like to do. Mm. I want to see Paul selling stadiums. I mean, we're selling out arenas now, so I don't think it's too too far. But, like, that's what I want to see. I want to see him doing a tour maybe 10 years from now where he's touring once a year, selling out stadiums across the world, and then going back mm. to chilling. Mm. That's what I see. I'd love to see him selling out stadiums in the next 10 years. Not waiting 10 years. I mean, still selling stadiums. Yeah. Um, you were named Variety's manager of 2018. Thank you. Yes. Are you going to be pissed if you don't win 2019? I know. Someone said to me I should just own it from here. But, bro, I don't think that they're going to give the same person year after year. But guess what? I'm going to go for it. Yeah. I'm going to go for it. It's, it's mine. <laughs> That's a, that's a message to all the other yeah. managers out there. Yeah, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Go work harder. Be on your toes. I'm awake 19, 20 hours a day. Yeah. Come and be like me. Who's the most surprising person who has uh, come your way and, and been like, yo, I see what you're doing and I really respect it? Bro, there's so many, but Scooter Braun, my boy Moshe Leezy, who manages Marshmallow, me and him kind of have the same come up story. Um, self-made. Um, who else? Bro, so many people. If I say one or two names, like it makes me forget others. Lucian Grange. Like so many people have basically said, like, yo, I respect your hustle. Because in the beginning, I think people thought like I was stupid or we were stupid or we just did things not conventional. And I'm just telling you, if you have, when people tell you you're crazy, normally you're doing something, you're doing right. something right. Or you're crazy. Oh, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. No middle. No, no middle ground. Well, listen, your ascent has been just certainly crazy by all definitions. And, you know, for a guy from, from Brixton, South London, 
to, to make it over here with, you know, no green card, to make it here, you know, when French Montana had no houses. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but to make it and to win and to not, you know, uh, give in to, to anybody, to do it on your own, you know, time has been pretty extraordinary. So congratulations on all your successes and uh, we're looking forward to 2019. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited. Stay tuned, guys, because we got a lot more in store. Right on. Thanks so much for coming through. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste Time with It's The Real Jeff. If people want to find out more about us, I'm Eric, your Jeff, curly hair and glasses. Together, we are It's The Real. If people want to find out more about this little podcast of ours, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Also, we have two Jews and two black dudes review the movies with the locks. Jeff, if people want to find out more about what we have going on in this brand new year of ours, the year of our Lord, 2019. Jeff, where can they you can always go to itsthereal.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L.com. Go to itsthereal.com slash shop for all of our merch, all of our t-shirts, all of our sweatshirts, all of our merch is on there. Itsthereal.com slash shop. Type in the code not for real for real for that crucial discount for 2019. Yes. You can also go on iTunes and Spotify and search for It's The Real. All of our old episodes and our new ones for this podcast, A Waste of Time with It's The Real, will be there. Just search for It's The Real. You can also go to soundcloud.com slash a waste of time or soundcloud.com slash two juice two black dudes. If you're looking for our music, go to Spotify and any other streaming service, including Tidal, especially Tidal. Yeah. Search for Teddy Bear Fresh on there. If you're looking for us on any social media, type in It's The Real, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L. We are on Twitter at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, Instagram at It's The Real. Jeff, this is the time. And again, I'm not sure if this is the last shout-out of 2018 or the first of 2019, but you know what? There's a lot of them. Now is the time. Now is the place. Who are we shouting out? I want to shout-out Wee's Roasted yeah. out in Cleveland. I want to shout-out Chris Cullard. Yeah. I want to shout-out Coops yeah. 2018, who's going to have to change his name for 2019. <laughs> I want to shout-out Young Lex from D.C., Young Lex underscore one. I want to shout-out... Freighter Crazy, who says, My Freighter 24. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I want to shout out Young Titty, but let's make it an overage. Let's make it a mature titty. Yeah, I hope so. Let's make it an of age titty. Do we think this is like 2 Chains Kid? Uh, no. Okay. I'm going to shout out Mr. Whispers from Baltimore. Great name. Sounds like a strip club. Or it sounds to- like a, a uh, Nickelodeon science show. Mr. Whispers. Yes. It sounds like a, the, the, the hamster from third grade. <laughs> Mr. Whispers. Yeah. Mr. Whiskers. I want to shout out More Johnston. More Johnston, who we've known for a cool decade now. More Johnston, who inspired me to start writing. More Johnston, who has always been a great fan, a great friend and great fan, and is up there in Boston. Shout out to More Johnston, always doing her thing and inspiring the youth them. I want to shout out Lauren Beatmaker. Yeah. Who is a consistent and quality supporter of It's The Real. I want to shout out Keezy Hardaway. I want to shout out D-Mega and Samuel underscore underscore. I want to shout out OB1490 who says me for real for real. I want to shout out Jacob KC who I guess is a rapper. He says to shout out his new shit. SoundCloud.com slash Jacob KC. Please and thanks. I want to shout out Robert Blake for his placement of Come Closer on the new A Boogie album from Beatmaker. Oh, congratulations. I want to shout out Big Belly Pierre, which is just a great name. It is. Who says, Europe? And when I say Europe, you say Europe. Yeah. I want to shout out Nikki Jack, who is Joy's sister-in-law's baby cousin. I want to 
shout out Stan Gotts. Of course, we got to shout out our people out in LA, Ichiban Don and Daylight 30. Big shout out to those guys. I want to shout out the Foresight Podcast up in Westchester. Westchester. Westchester Zone. I believe that we're supposed to do something with them at some point. All right. I want to shout out Defunct, Derek. Yeah. And Mucinex for holding him down for the past the past couple days of the year big shout out to mucinex i want to shout out ambitious xty who is the hottest a and r in the streets all right shout me out bro there you go so here we go i want to shout out dj yanni shout out to chicago and to greece who said that he needs a shout out because he's a deal with drunk people while djing tonight so <laughs> that is yeah something i'm so glad i do not have to do i want to shout out 718 dj out there in I want to say. I want to shout out Iron Mike, Michelangelo, and Daryl Allen, who came up from Birmingham, Alabama to see our Rockefeller Rockefeller thing. Yeah. I want to shout out Trav Dave, who said to shout out Mr. Whispers. Oh, for real? Yeah. No. Well, yes. Shout out to Trav Dave and shout out to Mr. Whispers. I want to shout out Dukes413, aka Duke Nukem, aka Ah Nukem. (laughs) I want to shout out Bam Beats. Who, yeah, big shout out to Bam Beats. Okay, so my favorite thing about Bam Beats is that he reintroduces himself every, every time. Every single time. I remember you, Bam Beats. We've <laughs> met. We've met twice. We're good. You don't have to keep it. Well, you want to know what? Keep doing it because I, I enjoy it's a, it. It's a funny bit. Yeah. So shout out to Bam Beats out there in Florida. And sometimes in New York when we meet. Want to shout out Chocolate Storm. <laughs> His real name is Jamil, who says, I hop in the IG lives and we have some fun DM combos. Yeah, is that, wait, is that like a step above Chocolate Rain? Chocolate Storm. <laughs> chocolate Storm. Shout out to Denny Pasasio. Pascasio? Pasasio. Right. Whatever. Shout I, out listen, to him. I've never had more trouble with the name. I also want to shout out Jay underscore Bateman. And I want to shout out Oz Cohen. Shout out to Oz Cohen. Oz Cohen just texted. Where in the world is Oz Cohen? I don't know, but his hair is very luminous right now. <laughs> Have you seen it? It's just like flowing. He, no. looks, he looks sort of like the guy from being John Malkovich right now. And finally, yeah, Cheese Louise, Cousin Lou, yo, aka Lou Bergini, yo, aka Lou Appetit. All right, aka here. Eat That Shit Up. All right, shout out to Cousin Lou. We started off our year in Los Angeles, California, when we interviewed Wiz Khalifa on the podcast. Wiz gave us two of his personalized KK pre rolled joints, and we promised that we would give them out to the first person. To stop by and see us out there on Fairfax Avenue and who pulled up in a white van taken off from work in that very moment? Cousin Lou. And Cousin Lou, because we did this. That was Cousin Lou. Cousin Lou. We did this this on Instagram Live and Cousin Lou became a cult hero. Cousin Lou made it a mission. He drove 30 minutes for that weed. Shout out. got it and he smoked it the fuck out. Shout Shout out out to to Cousin Cousin Lou. Lou. We start the year with Cousin Lou. We end the year with Cousin Lou. As always, Jeff, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next year. Brrrr.